Welcome to the World of Critical Care podcast. Today is the third episode in our series on your first weeks in the ICU. This episode is going to be covering weeks 9 through 12. Now, it's a bit of an arbitrary number. I know I kind of picked a random number because not everyone's orientation is the same. Some people only get 9 to 10 weeks of orientation. Some people might do nine or so weeks, and then they go to night shift for a few weeks. Some people get a full 12 weeks, and then they're on kind of a probationary period, kind of an observation period. Some people do an initial block of training. They're on their own, then they come back and do more training. I know there are endless options out there in terms of how people do their training. For the purpose of this podcast, I'm doing an initial 12 weeks of training, I think in my experience, 12 weeks is sort of the minimum it takes to take a new grad nurse to be able to leave orientation and be able to take care of two straightforward ICU level patients. And it's the minimum amount of time it takes to really lay the foundations to where someone understands where are the resources. Who do they ask for help? Who do they need to call? They understand all the foundations so that even though there may be little pieces missing, they know how to find the missing pieces. And I think that's what's really important about those first 12 weeks. But today's episode is about that final four weeks in the ICU. And what do you do? I think this is probably one of the more challenging periods for nurses and for preceptors, so people training nurses, for a couple of reasons. What you're doing in many ways is the same thing you were doing in the previous period of time, where every single day you're walking through the why. We're talking about the pathophysiology. We're talking about the pharmacology. We're talking about how we structure our days. We're going through labs. We're, we're really digging in deep every single day. But at the same time, we're wanting to get to teach some autonomy. We want the person training to feel a little more pressure of the day. We need to be very sensitive to where they're at. We don't want to overwhelm people. If you're a nurse at this phase, you should not feel overwhelmed, but you should definitely feel like at times you're you're pushing close to that level. And the reason is because the the goal here is to prepare you to be able to be on your own. During this time, I think it's really important to be able to, as a preceptor and as the person being trained, have a time to sit down and talk through strengths, weaknesses. As the nurse, where are you struggling? Where do you feel like you're really not understanding or what is causing you the most stress? What are the things that you have questions about? And just create a list of those things. As a preceptor, have the integrity to be honest with the person you're training and give them real, constructive, but kind feedback. If you see areas where there needs to be improvement, mention them, talk about them, but then also say, hey, here are the ways you can improve in those areas and create for them a plan forwards. I think this phase is nice because you still have time to work on things. We have times to fix some of these things. But I think it's really important to be able to have one of these kind of conversations. I think it's great to have this talk off the unit. 
in a casual setting, like after grab a coffee or even if it's in between work days and just say, hey, like, let's talk about where we're really at. What do we need to work on? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? I think it's also a valuable time to write down, either as a nurse or as the person training the nurse, what are some of the things that you have not seen yet? And especially as a professional preceptor, you typically are really familiar with the types of ICU patients that are there and and specifically the unique types of patients you're going to see in your unit. I think it's important to kind of write a list of, hey, these are the types of patients we haven't seen. And in this last month, let's make an effort to see those types of patients. I would do a similar list with devices, and I would also be thinking about medications. Is there certain types of medications we've just completely not been exposed to? Is there a type of, you know, have we never gone to MRI before? Have we never, have we never had a, a, a rapid response patient? These are those kind of things we start thinking about here so that we have time to expose the orientee, that the new nurse can see these things. And I think that's really valuable at this phase. I think the other two things that I really like to focus on is making sure that we are where we need to be at a basic level to handle the types of patients that the unit will expect the nurse to have at the end of orientation. And so in my mind, that's talking to the nurse. Okay, these are the types of patient assignments that you're going to be receiving in your first three or so months off orientation. How do you feel about these types of assignments? And you really need to build that rapport with the nurse so that they feel comfortable being honest with you about that. And then if they say, hey, I'm not sure I feel ready for that yet, then we still have time to start working on, okay, how can we get to that place? And sometimes that also means having a conversation with unit leadership about, hey, we could really use like two extra weeks. Sometimes it's just that last two extra weeks and it makes all the difference for someone's confidence. And that to me is always worth it. If an, if someone says, hey, I just need like two more weeks, this is the time to have that conversation. The other thing I like to talk about are unit expectations. I think often when you've been on a unit for a long time, you just assume and understand, oh, this is what we expect people to do. And yet we've completely failed to realize that if I don't tell them these things, they're not going to know this. And so for me, if it's a day shift or a night shift, I like to walk through from start to finish. Here are some of our unit expectations. And what I mean by that can be really specific things. So for me, let's say let's say I have a nurse who's about to go off orientation, but they're going to be starting a night shift. I might say, hey, on night shift, here's generally how their workflow is. They like to make sure that if it's a non-intubated patient, so this is a wake and alert person, we want really good day-night hygiene. We want them to be able to get to keep their circadian rhythm. We're trying to reduce ICU delirium. So we'd like to get as many of their cares done as possible early in the evening. We'd like to, if they sleep in a chair, ask them about that. If they sleep in a bed, okay. When do they normally go to bed? What's their normal routine? We want them in that normal routine. And so the goal then is we want all their cares done early in the shift. That can also mean 
a lot of the housekeeping things to help promote good sleep for that patient, you might need to do in the evening. That might mean taking out some of the trash. That might mean, hey, we're going we're gonna to change the linens. We're, if we haven't done a bed bath yet, we're going to do one right at the start of the ship. We're going to do everything we can to promote that for the patient. Other things that are often done, for example, on our night shift, it can be things like changing the tube feed bags. It can be making sure that we've, you know, we've got our little green Kuros caps on, on all of our IV lines. It could be making sure that everything's dated properly. It can mean making sure the room is clean and orderly and looks good. Often on a night shift, they have a little extra time to be able to do those things versus a day shift. But no one knows that unless you say, hey, these are those unit expectations for people. It might be things too, like saying, hey, one of the other reasons we like to get any tasks that can be done early in the shift, the reason we get them done early is so that if someone else is really having a hard shift, you're available to help them out because you got your things done that you needed to get done early and you got them done and now you're available to help other people. And I think too, that's that's a unit culture thing. You can start talking about your unit culture, about how it's not just about your shift, it's about the people around you and how you can help them. But again, this is a new nurse. You're a new orientee. Like you don't know what you don't know. Establishing those types of, of expectations are really valuable. I remember as a nurse, it was maybe a year in, and one of the charge nurses came by and is like, why isn't your Foley bag empty? And I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, like we always expect that our Foley bags are emptied right before the start of the next shift. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And like I had done it by habit a lot of times, but I'd never had someone, someone come by and tell me like, no, this is what we expect. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it's just things like that. You don't know what you don't know. And so I think it's really valuable to walk through carefully. Hey, here's our day shift expectations. Here's our night shift expectations. And then these are the, the kind of the unit culture that we're trying to encourage. And I think that's one of the final discussions that can be super valuable in this phase. At the end of the last shift before the nurse is going to go on their own, I like to kind of circle back on the things we talked about and ask them just very honestly, where do you think you're at? And then I like to just give super honest feedback of like, here are the things I think you do really well. Here are the things I'm a little worried about. Here are some of the things that I think are room for improvement, but then offering some suggestions about, hey, here are things in your first couple weeks off orientation that I'd really focus on. As a preceptor, I really like to set kind of a check-in point for people I've precepted, like six to eight weeks down the road just to see how they're doing. And a lot of our managers on our unit in particular are great about doing that. But it's important to check in and see how they're doing. Because sometimes people just need to talk about how things are going. And I think having a clear defined goal of like, hey, let's circle back on all this stuff after you've had six weeks off orientation can be extremely encouraging for people because there's still so much to learn when you come off orientation. Those are some of the little things I I like to bring up and talk about. And the final piece of advice I encourage people is be a person who asks questions, 
who wants to know why they're doing what they're doing. And if you don't know, say you don't know. That's something that I have learned the power of because I end up learning more than I ever would have imagined. I love in rounds when the doctor's talking about something. I'm like, hey, I don't know anything about that. Could you explain it to me? I have learned more than I could imagine. I mean, just just in the respiratory world, when we have really good RTs and we're we're doing a new vent mode, I'm like, hey, why did why did you switch the eye time? And they and they talk about, hey, well, I did it because of this. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it's asking people around you why they're doing what they're doing constantly. It can be hard because coming off orientation, you feel like everyone's watching you, that you're under a microscope, that you're supposed to know. But the reality is I'm years into this process and I constantly don't know. (laughs) And that's totally fine. And I think it's really important to have that attitude of just wanting to learn. And if you don't know, you don't know, but then figuring out, okay, how can I learn about this? And I think that's really that mindset to have coming off orientation is being comfortable enough to know, hey, I don't know, but I know the people I'm going to ask or I know how I'm going to find that answer. I hope this series has been somewhat helpful. And, and, and even if it's just encouraging to 10 people, then hey, it's a win because the ICU is just such a challenging environment. But I really want and hope people can succeed in their first few weeks in the ICU. With that, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.